Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tokyo on Fire. Today is May 15th, 2015. My name is Timothy Langley. Today I am joined with co-hosts Michael Chuchek and Dr. Nancy Snow. Today's burning issue is revitalization of Japan's rural areas. And the reason why that's a burning issue for us today is because recently the Institute of Population and Social Security Research released findings of its research on the decline of population throughout the nation of Japan. This encompasses 47 prefectures and hundreds of municipalities. The striking findings of the research was that in 20 years, 50% of the municipalities will actually disappear. That doesn't mean they will be completely depopulated, but it does mean that for practical purposes, the administration of these areas will actually decline. There will be more centralization into regional hubs. The scope and the power of the central government in Tokyo will expand, and more likely than not, while there's a declining population in the rural areas, there will be a corresponding increase of population into the central Tokyo metropolitan area. The Tokyo metropolitan area now consists of about 12 million people. There are about 120 million people. 10% of the entire nation of Japan lives in the Tokyo metropolitan area. The reason why this is a burning issue today, I would like to throw it out to my guests, Michael Chuchek and Dr. Nancy Snow. Michael, what do you think about this burning issue that we're confronting today? It really is a story that's been going on for decades. So it's not really a new story, and it's not really necessarily something that people would consider a burning issue. But nevertheless, it's always at least smoldering in the background. First of all, because the rural areas have not been allowed to undergo a slow decline. Instead, they've been propped up for many, many decades so that what we're seeing now is the result of a political decisions or many political decisions that were made decades ago that kept people living in the rural areas when they really should not have been. So that when this collapse has come, it's sudden and it's absolutely devastating. And the second thing that's interesting about it is that it's now focused on women. Pre previously, it was talking about the economies of these places and basically the economic actors when it were men. But now the realization is that it's the women who keep these places alive. And without women, particularly women of childbearing age, these places are going to go downhill so quickly it would be as if they were wiped off the map. Mm -hmm. Well, part of the research that was released just last week also said that the number of single household families that are run by women in the regional areas surpasses those households that are run by a male. That means that a, a, a single household in the rural areas has not a double income family, it has a single income family, and a, a huge proportion of those single income families are run by the woman. Yeah, and it's, it's something that's going to be happening because more often, because the uh, actual labor participation rate of men is declining uh, slowly uh, as people, as the overall population ages, the, the percentage of men who are working are, is smaller. Why? Because so many of them now are well beyond retirement age. Mm -hmm. But in the case of women, their participation, because it was suppressed for so long, is growing by leaps and bounds. And under Abe, it is absolutely soared. Of the one million jobs that were created in the first two years of the Abe administration, 800,000 went to women. So that is a resource that is being tapped in by the corporations and by other uh, economic entities. Mm -hmm. 
And now, at least in the rural areas, women are in fact the main economic actors. What a huge burden <clears throat> this is. Because not only are they expected, I mean, of the two, I think that they're better equipped to produce children, right? Mm -hmm. Science tells us that. Uh, basically. Certain, uh, certain research reveals those facts. But not only you know, is the burden to produce more people um, incumbent on the, on the women, but also their, their ability to enter the workforce. I mean, the, the glass ceilings that have been just layered and layered on top of them. And now, the basic, basically, the economy is saying, we need more workers. Where are these workers going to come from? And people are saying, well, how about the women? And th there's just been no social structure to prepare them to, to compete on an equal footing with the men. Can I say something sure. as a woman? Okay. A lot of things going on here. Mm -hmm. One, you mentioned 12 million in central Tokyo. Outside of Japan, when people hear about Tokyo, it's 35 million. Mm -hmm. So greater Tokyo, it's one out of four Japanese who lives in greater Tokyo. Two, as far as depopulation and looking at or new jobs for women, what is a really big problem is women in poverty. You mm -hmm. talk about single head of households now. So how do you expect women to bring children into this world? All this talk from the Abe administration, it's, it's putting an enormous burden and pressure on women across the socioeconomic sector. So if you're very, very well off, you've got a high paying job, you're not gonna couple and settle down and have a child because you don't wanna give up your career. If you're impoverished, you don't wanna have a child either because you have to educate that child. So where are mm -hmm. you going to get these children? The other thing, uh, I, I was watching recently this film that caught a lot of sort of uh, chatter when it first came out called No Sex Please, We're Japanese. Mm -hmm. And it came out about a year and a half ago, BBC News produced it. Well, that's what attracted people to the film was that title. And it's a play on a, an earlier book with that title, no, no Sex Please, We're British. But it wasn't just the woman going around talking to people in the uh, cuddle cafes and such in Tokyo. She actually left Tokyo, went to some of these depopulated areas. And she said on camera, follow me. And she walks, she takes you into a completely empty elementary school. I mean, the, the reality, it, you could almost do a very interesting sort of eco-tourism around the issue of depopulation, because I think it would be so shocking to people to get outside all the frenetic activity of Tokyo and go to these areas where they're literally like ghost towns. It's like old Hollywood movie sets. Mm -hmm. So I, mean, I don't know if you could make that in kind of an appeal. But the other um, person I've read who really gets into this a lot is Alex Kerr sure. in Dogs and Demons. Mm -hmm. And that opened my eyes, too, because he said what these communities did was that they would build these huge sort of almost like amusement places because they thought big buses were going to come in. And nobody wanted to go to these little cities. When people come to Japan, they generally do the Kyoto, Osaka Tokyo, maybe Hiroshima, Nagasaki, but they're not going to go into these communities. And people have to be more clever than just building these big concrete structures that really take away from the mythos around Japan, which is beautiful Japan and a Zen temple or a Buddhist temple mm -hmm. where you can meditate and be in silence. So, mm. but I mean, you know, depopulation, 
I, I just think the government, the way that they're talking about this, they're not putting it in a larger context. These women don't want to have children for a whole host mm -hmm. of reasons. And it's related to the changing role of the family and also just wanting to have a better lifestyle. I mean, children do cost a lot. And I don't think having the government say, go out and reproduce is going to be an effective message. In the question, you brought up the, the matter of schools and empty schools. Mm. Uh, this week, uh, Anna Fifield went to the neighboring prefecture to Tokyo, which is Kanazawa prefecture, and found a school with six kids in it, in oh, the mountains, gosh. which mm. is, which is built for 285. Uh, and it's right, it's in the metropole. It's mm. in greater Tokyo. It's amazing. And there are only six kids in it because this is, it's doesn't, there's no train there. There's bus service, yes, but this, it's just, just beyond the the city lights, if you want to call it mm -hmm. that. And there's no back to the land movement here. Mm. And in terms of school closing, schools are the center of every Japanese community. It's the place where you go after an earthquake or some kind of natural disaster because it's the best built building. It's the, it's the center of disaster relief. And yet, even though it is the center and the, and the, the place of refuge, 500 schools close every year and they've been closing them 500 per year nationwide for over 25 years. It's mm. just they close and close and close and close and close. This is just, there's, there's simply not enough children. Well, the other aspect, which you talked about, there are two problems. Well, there are actually three problems for women. The third one is just emerging, is that women are also expected to take care of elderly parents. Oh, right. And, and there's, there is, if you wanna talk about a trilemma, mm -hmm. okay, I can be a career person, I can be a mother, or I can take care of people who have to have their diapers changed because they, they're no longer continent. Wow. You don't want to get into that and you're gonna not find people getting married at mm -hmm. all. And that's what's happening. Well, we've seen that. I mean, we've been here, um, if you've been in Japan, living in Japan for the last, 15 years, you see that. You see there are more dogs than children mm -hmm. throughout Japan. There's a huge industry on clothing your dog and having the push carts for the dog. So the, the, the you know, people want that kind of companionship, but uh, having a child, it's a little bit too much. And people are, are not getting married as well. And even the, the college and the high school kids, a lot of people who don't go to college, you would think they would get married as a kind of a, a next step out. And they're I mean, you don't have to that. send dogs to cram schools mm -hmm. or get them into Waseda or Ko sure. or Todai. So I can see kind of the logic in that. But it is very amusing where I live in a Zabu area where you see people really treating them like little sure. babies. And they are great companions. But I'm glad you mentioned about the elderly mm -hmm. dilemma because uh, I was just recently with the um, woman who heads up gender empowerment at MOFA who is doing the World Assembly for Women. And um, she was telling me about the face of poverty in Japan being female. And uh, she also um, got into this, uh, you know, I think with the, the this year's World Assembly of Women, they're actually going to address this, by mm -hmm. the way, and be a little bit more kind of holistic about that. But uh, she mentioned the elder care, and she actually said that that is something that is impacting men and women. So the women are saying, I want you to help me at home. And oh, by the way, I want you to also help me with my elderly parents. So it's interesting. It's, it's like I said earlier, there's a larger dynamic here going oh, sure. on. 
this is gender. And it's, again, it's not just sort of women as baby making machines. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's kind of an element of that in some of the talk that goes on in Japan about we've got to repopulate. We've got to figure out what kind of population we or the mm -hmm. Japanese have got to figure out what is a sustainable population here. I don't know why, I mean, necessarily declining population, it, it, it's always bad here. And yet when you look at sort of environmental sustainability, there's always talk about, you know, the world's population is too big. Maybe Japan could be an example of how to deal with this declining population. Well, they've got to deal with it somehow because yeah. it's not going away. Right. And it's a burning issue for us today, I believe, because it's it really is so huge. And life extension, medical uh, technology and, and those sort of things, even though the population has stopped growing, the part that is growing is the elderly. 40% of the people in the nation are 65 years or mm. older. And in, in, in 20 years, it'll be more than 50%. Okay. So that, that portion that sucks up a lot of the social services, a lot of the medical care, and the tax revenue is not being supplemented by an equal number of people who are entering the workforce. So this is um, a, a disaster that really is unavoidable. There has to be a solution well, to that. Okay, when you use the word disaster, uh, that always implies that based on current trends, mm -hmm. obviously current trends won't continue. People retiring at age 60, that's already out, even though it's still mm -hmm. on the books and still supposedly what people do. Most are now retiring at 64, 65, and then taking temporary Ooh, contracts. That's up there. Yes, taking temporary contracts to mm -hmm. keep, and, and many people are working to 70, which makes sense because if you have a, when we talk about life expectancy, we usually talk about the figure that's at birth. Once you've gotten past childhood diseases and accidents in, in your teenage years, let's say you're now, 60 years of age, your, your lifespan is not going to be 23 more years when 83. Your lifespan is most likely going to be 30 mm -hmm. at least mm -hmm. uh, when, if you've got past all the, 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 the young ways of dying. Right. So when you're thinking, I have to be, go for 30 years without a job, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So obviously people are going to be working and it will be a lot of women that will be working because they're going to tend to be healthier later in life. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Yes. <laughs> so there... It's based that the, the catastrophic model is based on a social model that exists, but that social model is transforming itself. Mm -hmm. We don't have to worry about that so much. But in terms of the depopulation, which is a biological function you can't do anything about, That's right. uh, if you have now 200 women of childbearing age, and if all demographics going the same way, you only have 10 in that community, 20 years from now, you're not going to make it as a community. Right. And that's the situation that a large number of the municipalities of Japan are in. A huge number of them. And you, you say, but what will happen to the country? How can the country go on? Well, the country has been, for the longest time, divided between the Tokyo core and the outside. And the outside has been living very much off the revenue that's generated in the core areas. Economically speaking, the more people you get into the core areas, the better the total economy is. The, sure, it gets more crowded. Sure, the, the land prices go up in that area and nowhere else. 
I'm sure if there's ever a, a major earthquake, you'll have all your population and all your business and all your government all in one spot, which sounds strategically dumb. Mm, right. Uh, and that is what depopulation thinking should be about. It's not the necessarily people going away, but the fact that you have all of your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. uh, that thing, uh, it's happening, it's been happening, and it's the fact that there's anyone actually living out there is due entirely due to the map of the electoral map of, of the House of Representatives. Well, he again makes a great point, which is when I went to, uh, I think I was 20 kilometers from Fukushima Daiichi, and I was working for a day, it was one of these volunteer bus tours last summer, uh, planting organic cotton. I felt very in touch with my roots mm. from the South in the United States, because <laughs> I didn't grow up doing that. But, uh, <laughs> but was, what was remarkable was looking around these little towns. It was very picturesque there in the, in the Fukushima prefecture, but it, it, there was no industry. I just mm -hmm. thought, what are these people doing here? And if I were a young person, boy, would I want to skedaddle out of there as quickly as I could to get to a metro area right. because my heart really sort of broke for any youth. And of course, we had a, we went to a community center, very nice, uh, newly built community center. And we had a lecture. They even had architectural sort of uh, plans for trying to v revitalize that area, including the organic cotton. But they did acknowledge that it's very difficult to keep young people at a certain age. It's uh, just uh, there really was was nothing mm. there. So w what do you do unless you went into you could if you had startup companies, right? You wouldn't necessarily need to be right in city central if you're doing a lot of work online, maybe something like that or doing a small business where you're utilizing a lot of the ICT. Sure. But, there, but, what ha but we have to admit globalization has had an effect. There were small factories mm. and there were call centers I'm in the rural areas. Those have all been replaced. The, the, the factories are all India. in uh, China. The, oh, call okay. center, the call centers are actually in Dalian in, oh. in northern China, okay. with that which, was, which has a long tradition of Japanese-speaking uh, peoples there. So that there is many times when you do interact with someone uh, uh, the call is actually taken by a Chinese in Dalian. The, uh, that those, is an interesting take on international yeah, relations yeah, well, right but the, there. So you, so you have factory buildings out in the hinterlands. I was just up uh, in, in the back end of Saitama Prefecture just a week ago. Uh, and you, you see it's a brand new factory and it's Friday and everything's shuttered. Mm. The place is immaculate, but it's a factory. There should be th people working there. There should be things clanging and, and no, nothing's happening. <laughs> and why? Because the work is not there anymore. Mm. It's being done some other country. So they built a factory and the, the projects are not going on. No, it's just, the, 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 it doesn't, it, you cannot, okay, depopulation is, is, a, is a death spiral, mm -hmm. okay? One you, feeds on the other that's and it right. just so the, continues. That's right. And yeah. you, the moment you, you lose one engineer and suddenly it's not such a great deal, but then 
you don't get the business, and then the business you don't get the business, so you can't hire new workers. And, and then the tax revenue falls, and about, then they and don't build a school, down. and this, they have to travel for forty-five minutes even to go to school, and the cohesion that that is a Japanese small city or community begins to unravel, and it goes. Yes. But again, to my point, I think that you could turn this into a very compelling narrative. Because here in Tokyo, it's always cool Japan, pushing product. And the narrative would be, you send people out to these communities. I mean, what you're describing made me want to go to this mm -hmm. ghostly factory where, yeah, you're listening for this activity and there's none there. Because then you get a really good education on the global well, but, but economy. You're, you're, you're going at it from an American standpoint. I'm, I'm going, well, I'm, I'm American, that's sorry. That's right, because you're <laughs> planting corn. And yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, America has, thanks both to immigration and high birth rates, uh, has a growing population, so that even when something gets all messed up, eventually somewhere down the line, someone's gonna take over. Unless you have a disaster like mm. the city of Detroit. Right. Where, the, where all of the factories move to the south, Yeah. right? So the thing is, when they do the calculations about, particularly about empty buildings, Akia, that's a big problem. 13.5% of Japanese homes are empty, okay? That's, so, that's nationwide, okay? And, squatter and, alert. Yes. <laughs> but there are no squatters either. There are no squatters either. Third, okay, that, well, if, okay. If we go global, there will be. Yeah, yeah but, TPP. That's right. But 13.5% uh, are empty now. Right. By the year 2030, the abandoned building level nationwide will be the same as Detroit. Oh, Lord. Is now. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's what you're looking at. It, there are, it's, it's not merely depopulation. There's a, a weird cycle of having to build new housing even though there's housing that already exists. Mm -hmm. That there's a specific problem with the market. But nevertheless, the, the, we will have these rural areas where yes, there's land available. Yes, there are buildings available. There are brand new roads. Everything's there. Water, you got everything except the people. Okay, and for an, for an American with a word which has always been growing, it, you say, "Oh, somebody's going to eventually end up there." No. Yeah, but I was I was talking about no. short term tours. That's mm -hmm. what I meant, and then that would spark people writing stories about this. You know, take bus tours of journalists in there, mm -hmm. um, because that is a story that I think needs to be told. That there, there's so much sort of fiction that goes on and what you can expect from Japan. And if people aren't getting outside of these urban centers, they're, they don't have a clue just how rural it is mm -hmm. and how vacated it is. How beautiful. It's really, and you get out of the gorgeous. countryside. It really As is. As I said, I mean, going along the seaside, I just was awestruck at the mm -hmm. beauty. So I, I wanted to go back there. Yes, you can go out into the, the rural areas. The roads are very very well maintained. Uh, you can drive just about anywhere. There are no potholes. Uh, it looks very inviting. That's the construction industry. Exactly. Isn't I mean, it? it's not only yeah. the construction industry with the roads and the highways. It's also the large um, uh, social centers, the, the 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 civic club or right. the the high school or the brand new high school. And you know, ten years later, only six children are are actually in school there. I mean, these are the. This is how. Uh, politics is exercised by going out into the rural areas and this is how we're going to revitalize you because we've got a project here 
and it will generate some money inside. And then they generate the project, they bring in the, the, the amusement park, and then... Yeah, but, the, but to, his, to his credit, the Minister for Rural Revitalization, uh, Ishiba Shigeru, has said, and probably the, uh, the political guys at the LDP have been, had their hair on fire every time he says, he says, if you don't have a plan for revitalizing your community, we're not going to get you anything. Mm -hmm. You, you got to come up with it. You have to come up with it, and has to look reasonable, or you know, because we're not going to bail you out. And that's new. That's a really something that's different. And we have to give both the Abe government and Mr. Ishiba credit for having the political guts to say that. You know mm -hmm. that you're yes, you are on the map now, but it doesn't mean you're going to be on the map in a few years' time. Let's let's segue from that point, Michael on the things that have been done in the past and what lessons might there be for us to, to learn and what the government might be projecting itself to do, just like you said with Ishibashi on the, forcing the central government, uh, the municipal governments to come up with their own revitalization ideas. Yeah, well the thing is that the, the, it has a, a bad rep. Uh, there was the, uh, the, hundred, the Ichioku N project, the 100 million yen project, where they would actually give a lump sum of money. This was in the 1980s. Uh, that was a long time a ago. Long ago. A huge lump sum of money. Do with it whatever you need to develop or uh, oh. bring people to your Blank place. check? Uh, yeah. No, it, it was kind of a blank check. You're right. Oh, check. wonderful. That what, always what, works one out well. No, one community bought a gold, a set of gold bars. And boy, that brought me there. Yeah. Uh, no, they actually had, no, it was displayed so that you could touch it. Yes. So you could touch it. This is where Alex Kerr got his yeah, material, yeah, yeah. Yeah, isn't is, it? No, it, it's like a comedy routine. Mm -hmm. uh, and and they, the money was wasted. And every single prime minister has had a rural revitalization oh. plan. Yes, every 10 years or so. Uh, well, not, in the case of, of Koizumi, he had one for each of the five years that he was in office, okay? He had five different ones over his over his tenure. Did he have one about Graceland? No, 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 okay. that, no. But they, they, <laughs> they, that was a time when they were actually cutting the Japanese budget. Uh, but uh, it, it's a long time history of mm. talk, ideas, and failure. Mm -hmm. the, uh, mm. uh, and the failure was, it seems preordained, okay? So the government is going out on a limb because the people have been fooled so many times and they don't want to be fooled again. Right. But more importantly, it's, it's actually a region-wide problem in terms of depopulation. The Chinese, of course, have their one-child policy, right. which is by statute. But any of the countries of East Asia, what's going on in Singapore, in, in South Korea, in Taiwan, women aren't having children. Right. And this is, the only difference is that Japan's a decade ahead of everybody else in terms of the mm. way you handle it. And that's the thing. Mm -hmm. How do you handle it? You're not going to have children. What are you going to do? Right. Okay. And this administration itself is of two minds on this. You know, it has the, the harsh side, and then it has this side that we can do things to change the, the demographics. We can do things to change the birth rate. Sorry, you can't. Mm -hmm. you no, can't it hasn't it. worked. It, it really it, and work. it can't work. You, if you don't have the women there, or you don't have women at all, you know, as you said, there's a certain biological necessity that's required there, mm -hmm. and and it won't be fulfilled. At which point, what do you manage? How do you manage decline? Okay, 
How do you manage decline? Well, they're faced with three options. Either you can have more children, or you can utilize the underutilized, which in this case is probably the women. Mm-hmm. W- relatively well-educated, they're, in the, they're not in the workforce, or they, they're in the workforce, but not reaching uh, full capacity, but they are a, a labor resource that is underutilized. Mm-hmm. And the third one is the big taboo of bringing in more foreign workers. That's right. Well, that's, it's, but it's not just workers. We have to think about Japan's defense as well. If you are really going to have Japan as a, a more active international participant, uh, sure, technology takes you a long way, but you need boots, yes. you need, and you need people to fill those boots. Mm-hmm. And this is not this, the, the recruiting is going to be a disastrous problem for Japan. And I'm certain certain that there are generals in China who are very, very pleased by all of this mm-hmm. and who have this all figured out. Uh, that they themselves will be suffering from the same problem mm-hmm. very soon in regards to India uh, is something that they maybe haven't looked at with uh, quite so much glee. So what do you think? Uh, what options are available? Do we just manage the slow decline? Do we learn to live with uh, declining populations and uh, more centralized population centers in Tokyo, Osaka? There have been a lot of attempts to try to get things out of Tokyo. There was, during the 1980s, the plan to move the capital. Right, to Tsukuba. To somewhere. Right. Uh, of course, that was all, the only persons who benefited from that were land speculators in various areas who would, you know, they would be able to get some kind of profit, but the capital was never moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the idea is, okay, we have the greatest concentration of global 1,000 companies in the world of anywhere in Tokyo. Let's get them out of there. Of course, there are some that are out of there, which is like Kyocera mm-hmm. in, in Kyoto or Toyota in Toyota City right. near Nagoya. They're out there. Let's get them all out. We'll, they, they've never been able to figure out a way to convince these mm. companies to leave. Uh, you'd have to do some kind of weird punitive thing. You know, if you, if you make a lot of profits, you'll have to give half of them to the city of Tokyo or, 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 or you can go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is something, you know, tax competition is, is very common between the mm. states and the United States, but it's mm-hmm. not something that's been allowed for the, by the prefectures here. Huh. Well, they're experimenting now. I mean, there are, there are tax incentives now. Move your factory, move your company out to this rural area and um, build your factory there. We will give you a tax incentive. It's like a, a special economic zone. Yeah, and are. for the kids that are out there, you will get a free college education if you go to college in the rural area and you find a job in that rural area too, we'll pay for your college education. But, Who then, wants to go to college out in the rural area? Well, I mean, if, if, it's, only, free. if it's free and the only option you have is you know, stay home and, and play on the computer or, you know, because you're not going to come to Tokyo or, or, or wherever to, to have okay, a college education. Okay, you're talking education. about people who are already living out People there? who are already living right. out okay. there, right. Yeah. The, the, the incentives are, are geared for the residents to use the facilities that already exist more, more than they have been. Mm-hmm. And there are, what's great about those is that's the only part of the so-called third arrow reforms that's actually got number targets. Right. You know, we want to have right. the number of educated in the prefecture go from 35% right. to 44% by this date so that they have, you know, criteria. Mm. The other parts of Abenomics, the third arrow of Abenomics, have no criteria at all, and it's not surprising that's that right. they've gone nowhere. At least the rural, the rural re- revitalization for all the negatives mm-hmm has goals, has do, dates by which, dates certain by which things need to be done. Mm-hmm. And that 
is the reason why I keep a look on it, at it because it's actually serious yes. in that regard. Mm. It's a terribly difficult problem, one that, that that has had money thrown at it for decades, but at least they have goals. And so that, that's the reason why I consider it a burning mm. issue. Well, one of the other really critical issues if you're running a business in Tokyo or in Osaka is your recruitment is just, it's so difficult to find. I mean, the, the number of people who, the the level of unemployment is so low that anybody that wants a job can find a job. And when you're looking for somebody who's skilled or qualified or credentialed, you have an awful hard time finding those kinds of people. So you multiply that exponentially. If you're moving out into the hinterlands, you're going to build a factory or maybe you're going to move your, your headquarters into an office building out there. You might be able to, to attract some of your people to go along out there, but um, you know, keeping that, that recruitment going on is would be... Uh, so many people have bought houses, let's say in the Tokyo area, based on a certain commuting distance from the, the headquarters. If it's just not like the, the situation in both Europe and in the United States, where the new CEO comes and I'm gonna move it to where I like to be. Mm -hmm. Cannot happen, does not happen, will not happen. At which point the government has to step in and do it and force companies out. And, and this, this administration will definitely not go there. This is an administration bought and paid for by the, the very largest and, and most stable corporations in Japan. Mm. Mm. So what's your guess? That uh, we, were just, we are just going to limber along, this thing is going to happen no matter what we do, and in 20 years, yes, the population will be more than 50% over the age of 65 years old. There will be fewer and fewer children, and the the tax burden on those who are in their productive years is going to increase 15, 20, 25%. There are things that people can do. First thing is, is that whatever communities that do, do still exist have to be consolidated and, and, and centralized. Of course, older individuals don't want to move from their homes. Mm -hmm. But if they live uh, at the end of a very long, narrow mountain road, there is no way that the community will be able to plow that road mm. based on the, the money that, that will be getting in taxes. They have to move everyone toward a central coal or if there's some kind of train station to put everything, all services, everything there. Compact cities is what they call mm. it, mm -hmm. okay? And if they can do that and they can work the tax incentives, apply local pressure you know, through local groups to get people to move into at least some kind of consolidated area, that's fine. The, I, what they did before was, as communities depopulated, what they did was merge com adjoining communities. The ones that, and now we have these gigantic towns geographically with very few people in them. Mm -hmm. So that it, it actually magnified the problem mm. because they are responsible for huge areas and yet they have a very small population in them. Uh, and in fact, there's a law that prevents Akita, for example, Akita Prefecture, they were going to become one city. The entire prefecture would be one city so that they could get everything in terms of the central government budget and work out everything and reduce costs in, because you only have one government. The government actually passed a law preventing that from being possible. But you do have, the, especially in Hokkaido, vast, vast areas under administration with very few people and therefore almost no resources to do it. Mm -hmm. 
I just don't think that this topic is really going to grab many people in Japan. I mean, no. you all are talking about 40 years of this going on, and there's no sexy angle to this. Oh, but there is. Okay, mm -hmm. the, please. The, the, the most, <laughs> just help me the, out. <laughs> the, 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 the most pungent or the most moving word in Japanese is furusato. Yes. The old hometown. That it has so many associations, it has such political value. The original Takeshita plan of this passing out of money was the Furusato plan. And if you want to get people's heartstrings plucked, you use the word Furusato to describe whatever you're doing. The old hometown is, and, and it's, it's that rural. that wet emotion yes. I was reading about. Yeah, it's extremely yes. emotional. And it's been overused, of course, by politicians. Uh, it's Tokyo story. Well, it, it kind of is, but exactly to your point, a Michael, there movie. is a, a, um, a portion of the taxes that you are required to pay that if you have um, um, some of the money that you have sent to a Furusato of your choosing, you get to choose. Where your and, hometown is. Well, it could be your hometown. It doesn't necessarily need to be your hometown. Right, right. But you send this portion of money there for revitalization purposes or whatever, you get a tax discount. So it's as if you have completed your, your tax filing by using that portion. That turns out to be very successful. Can a foreigner have a, can I come up with my own hometown? Yes, yes, you can. If you pay, in if I you contribute pay, and invest yes. in there, yeah. If you pay noze, I mean, it, it makes no sense from a self-interest point of mm -hmm. view uh, because you would want the local taxes that are on your income to go and pay for local services. Libraries, swimming pools, right. uh, trees, all these things that, you know, your community pays out of this tax. But under this, this plan, you adopt or right. are yeah. adopted by this community and they've sweetened the deal because th most often when you name this place as your hometown, what you get is the local products. You get goodies. You get goodies. You get nice. local, the local products sent to you. Mm -hmm. If you go to Matsuzaka, they'll send you steaks. No, I if like you it. Do, if you do some they'll send you sake. I haven't had an Omaha steak, and I don't know how. Uh, long. Yeah, <laughs> but, so all you'd have to do, no, you you would go. That's exactly what you do. You go and you you go online and you look at all the different products and all the different places that are, are, are there, and you say, I want those. So you. Take the proportion from your taxes, local taxes that would be spent in your own home community where you live, and you send it to this other place, and they'll very gladly yep. send you the care package. It's like 15 or 20% of your tax obligation. I'm beginning to think of an app or some type of a website to help they people around the world to adopt a <laughs> Japanese uh, in a hometown somewhere mm -hmm. that needs revitalization. Yes, well, I think the Furusanto concept is one that yeah. is, is deeply ingrained. And I mean, when we have, uh, for example, uh, a Golden Week, which had just two, two three mm. weeks ago, you know, people go back to the homelands. They, they go back mm. to their hometowns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And during Oshogatsu, during Christmas and, and, and New Year's. And in, in, in August, they'll be going Obon. to Obon. That's mm -hmm. right. They'll go, and they'll go to where the, the, the family graves are. Mm. They'll visit the local relatives that still live there. And then they'll head back, clogging the roads for a so, few days. The rest of the time, the roads are empty. So it used to be family graves, and now they're going to town graves, oh, right? <laughs> An entire area, community but, graves. But still, I mean, this is this is a great part of the, the conversation, but it doesn't avoid the issue 
that the depopulation will occur. Uh, there is no quick fix. There's no medium fix. There is no long-term fix. Unless you import millions of Chinese peasants. It's That's not going to happen. Way. It's not going right. to happen. I mean, they've tried that before. They've opened the doors. They've given passport visa relaxations to Brazilians, to um, Peruvians, Peruvians and, and that sort of thing. But of, they had to be of Japanese extraction. But even at that, it, it really did not work out very well. Well, that's when you base uh, immigration on racial principles, mm -hmm. you're probably going to go down a dark road. Yes. And that's where they went. Mm -hmm. You know, The thought that somehow persons who had a last name that was Japanese or who had a grandparent who was Japanese would somehow fit more easily into Japan than another person, possibly a, a beautifully Jap Japanese-speaking Sri Lankan, for example, mm -hmm. that these two, of the two, it would be the Peruvian. That was the choice. That was the choice that was made, That's but it, it just didn't work. It was, but it's the choice that was made. Uh, now we have the uh, trainee program, which brings in Indonesians into fishing, right. Chinese into agriculture, harvesting. Huge uh, problems there. And there are huge problems there. It's been nothing but an abused program. Basically, they've come in and they've been indentured servants. The, uh, many times, the, the employers confiscate their passports, mm -hmm. don't pay them, don't indentured servitude, don't don't That's give right. them proper housing. All these things and. That's Ed Murrow did a film called Harvest of Shame about migrant workers in America in 1960. Sounds like somebody needs to do a film on this mm -hmm. issue. Because yeah, I yeah. think this is really undertold story. No, but it, it's, it's, it's something that it's very hard to tell the story uh, because the trainee program is so intrinsic to the economic plan. It, it's not like certain companies decide this. This is actually the government planned it, ran it, and was supposedly responsible for overseeing it. They, of course, had no oversight. Right. You know? Well, and there's, since there's no opposition currently in the, in the government, there's no, to the government, there's no opposition party that can challenge the government, there's no one who can, say, who can come and say, you know, we can do better than this. Mm -hmm. We can do this better. And so the current government will not admit that how, what a failure it has been. Yeah. And it, well, I was going to say a fascinating scene in the film, if you haven't seen Harvest of Shame, is showing a juxtaposition of how American cattle were treated and how they were transported across highways and byways and air-conditioned trucks and enough room for them to move around. And then they would shoot the scenes of people on these open bedded trucks mm -hmm. going from Florida all the way to New York with very large families, uh, totally no education of the moms. They might have eight, 14 children, and they had the substandard housing. And it got me thinking about sort of this, this is one of those darker tales, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, of, J of Japan that, I mean, the world over we have these tales, but you have this beautiful packaging, and Abe talks about beautiful Japan, right? right? And then what's missing, though, is you often get so struck by the packaging of a nice product, and you forget that there are people who are going to bed at night and probably have vermin or mm -hmm. don't have enough food and don't have proper shelter. That's a different type of packaging, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. The, the thing is, is that no one believes the way that the, the government portrays the program. 
everyone is fairly informed. And so we have this, uh, the disconnect. There's a great deal of knowledge that the program isn't working. The news hasn't ignored it. And it's been on the evening newscasts, NHK, TBS, whatever. They're all up on it. The question is, what do you do? Mm -hmm. okay. There are not Japanese who are going to be out there picking it. They're going to be Chinese that are going to be doing that. Because they're training. They're training. They're That's training right. for agricultural work. No, of course not. Yeah. They're, they're an incredibly low-paid resource that farmers who otherwise would just let the things rot, the, the, the produce rot in the fields because they can't hire Japanese to take mm -hmm. care of it. Uh, they use these, this government program. And yes, you do want to have something at your supermarket. Right. How do you, you know, robots are not the answer for everything. Yeah. Uh, Nancy, you mentioned about uh, a, a story that's really difficult to tell, but it, it could bear being told. Mm. And it reminds me of another part of this. It's not quite um, along the same lines, but um, when, you, when you live in Japan, you see a lot of foreigners who are married to Japanese women. And you would come Foreign to the, men. I'm sorry. You see a lot of foreign <laughs> men who are married to Japanese women, and you would probably come to the conclusion that overall, Japanese women appeal to foreign men, and so probably the marriages, the international marriages, are by far Japanese women who are married to foreign men. And the fact of the matter is, is that it's completely wrong, oh. that there are more Japanese men married to foreign women. It's just that the, the dynamic is that these are um, farmers or, or people who are living out in the rural areas. They can't find um, somebody that would marry them and live on the farm and take care of the uh, three-generational household, so they bring in uh, foreign women, uh, not quite male-order brides, but not quite far from that either. No, and it's, it's so and in this that's case, cool, Japan. And, 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 that uh, is amazing. No, it, it, and it, it's, it's correct. It is. It's, it, it, it's Chinese, amazing story. Chinese, Filipinas, and Vietnamese right. mostly, but other nations as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, marriage is a problem throughout uh, East Asia. Uh, we have the, the, the South Koreans importing North Korean brides. Mm -hmm. We have in China, we have women being kidnapped because there are is it, uh, there are not enough women to go around. It's 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 something that's going on all over. But in here in Japan, they they the, the numbers are still uh, largely skewed toward a male Japanese and then the spouse being. Right the foreigner mm -hmm. in terms of, of Koksai Kekkon, international marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll talk to some of the Japanese women I know here in Tokyo to see if they might be interested in some of these farmers. Um, uh, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, At least it would be Japanese with Japanese. Well, I mean, no, that is the be, preference. It would be, it would be sure. with firstborn sons. Mm -hmm. yeah. You do not ever want to be with the firstborn son. Because mm -hmm. that one has the responsibility for the family, and you, because of family law, will simply cease to exist. Mm. Well, you can't keep your surname. Mm -hmm. You will be a part of their family, but you will never be one of the blood relations, so you'll right. never be trusted. Yeah. No one wants to go into that. Right. No one wants to be shackled not only to an individual, it's hard enough to deal with another human being, but to deal with that person's parents, His to, deal with the, to deal with the land, mm -hmm. to deal with everything. Nobody wants and to do that. to be not even second fiddle. I mean, way down the pecking order. Oh, that's right. And that's that's one of the other pejoratives about getting married in Japan. I mean, what, what young, beautiful Japanese girl is going to want to relinquish all of the freedom that she has in growing up in a maybe a family of, of one other 
uh, sibling mm -hmm. to to that. I mean, it's yeah, I mean, the shock treatment is just. You know, to go Don't from you. number two in the household or number one in the household to number four, number five, you can't, it's just too much. Right. And that's what, and it's, the problem is, is that it, that's guaranteed in, in rural areas. Mm. In urban areas, it's a crapshoot. You yeah. know, you, 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 can, you can end up with a, a good family, you can end up with a bad one. But you still have the parents to take care of. Yeah. But, You're talking about the extended family when you marry, you really, I mean, because we talk about that in the U.S. too, that you are marrying into the entire mm -hmm. Family, so you better like that pecking order, or like at least some of those extended mm -hmm. family members. Well, sure. I mean that that aspect of of Japanese culture has gone through vast revisions and changes over the last twenty or thirty years. But yeah, that is pretty much the expectation that when you marry my son, you know I have certain expectations of of you, uh, darling. Mm -hmm. right? I've actually heard from some of my Japanese female friends in Tokyo about this actual syndrome where they were engaged and then they couldn't handle the future mother-in-law. Oh, yes. the Because he was so coddled again, mm -hmm. you know, the way he was raised. And one of my friends was describing the, the mother coming in and buying their apartment or condo. I mean, just taking over. And so my friend felt like, well, she'll be here all the time. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm not just marrying him. I, uh -huh. it, it's, it's a third wheel. So. And honey, don't you think you put up a little bit too much rouge today? And <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, oh I mean, you've got your husband to deal with, and now you've got your husband's <laughs> mother to deal with too. I mean, that is. Yeah. So, so it made, it made orphans actually attractive marriage uh, partners because you didn't have to deal with uh, any of that. Uh. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is wow. your mother still alive? No. <laughs> Good. I'm very sorry, but you're really dateable now. <laughs> I'm sorry for your mom. But... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we laugh, but we should be crying because it's true. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely true. The, the absence I'm of a mother. I'm crying inside. Okay. okay. All right. Mm. Let's... Yes. Well, with that, I, I think we would wrap up. Uh, this portion of the conversation on today's burning issue, which is revitalization of Japan's rural areas. It's a tough issue. It's a tough issue for a lot of the reasons we, that we discussed today and a lot of the reasons that we just couldn't get into because it's, it's really huge. It uh, impacts uh, Japanese politics, voter uh, participation, participation in TPP. It's just a, it, it's just a vast area. Um, sorry we weren't able to deal with the area more deeply or more richly. You can post your comments to us on YouTube or using Twitter, or send us your, your comments to comments at tokyoonfire.com. We've received lots of comments and uh, suggestions to us on Tokyo on Fire. We appreciate those, and we try and implement those comments and suggestions that you have that make sense to us. We'd like to finish this session with what we would call a flame out, which is talking about current issues that we're all thinking about, talking about, that we're working on today. These issues are not necessarily a part of what our burning issue is today, but they are issues that are topical and that are happening right now. Michael, what's going on in your world? I was really surprised this week to see the results of the Yomiuri and the NHK polls about the people's views of the of Abe cabinet immediately after Abe finished his trip to both Indonesia and Jakarta, and then this long trip, including this great speech in Washington in the United States. Made lots of Headway, didn't it? It made lots of noise, it turned out. Headway, not at all. Amazingly, the poll numbers for the Abe administration did not budge. 
from month to month. Last week's figures, last month's figures, this month's figures, absolutely the same. A few points were knocked off the don't support. And so the, the administration can feel a small measure of justification or vindication. But there's the idea that this grand tour of the United States would raise the, the Abe administration's profile is already very high. Mm -hmm. That it would go further and, and put him at a, a new level absolutely didn't happen. Tells me that the electorate is basically satisfied with the way things are. They're not thrilled. They don't have a great deal of expectations. And all this sound and light and all these foreign jaunts are not adding anything to the Abe aura. Okay. So in spite of the fact that he was attached as a secretary to his father, his father was a, the longest serving foreign minister in Japanese post-war history. Mm. And his... His claim to fame is not foreign policy or international relations, it seems. He got no blip out of this week he was away uh, touring the United States. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, I want to add to that by saying that I wrote a piece in the Japan Times called Branding Japan Beyond Abe. Abe went on at least 20 diplomatic trips with his father. He is not gifted in the foreign policy arena. And frankly, as far as nation brand Japan, if we don't get beyond this fixation on Abe and in turn his fixation on Kishi, Japan is in a lot of trouble. I see a lot of passivity out there. I think when I talk to my little network of people, they are dissatisfied and they kind of give me that thumbs up and you keep at it. And I feel like I'm sort of putting my head on the chopping block mm -hmm. on behalf of the Japanese people because they're, I don't know whether they're satisfied. I mean, we've talked on this show about uh, a lack of any competition or opposition, but I do think there's some Abe fatigue, and you watch out with this long, hot summer, with these changing bills and the security uh, reform in mm -hmm. place. See if that won't get some people out on the street. Not boots on the ground, but maybe some women in some tennis shoes and uh, not just your usual folks who are the anti-nuke people. Uh, but really, there, I, I wish people, I make a plea for people in Japan to make their voices heard mm -hmm. because there's a lot going on in the media and it just this sort of chilling impact. And I get a sense that people don't want to speak out because they feel like there's going to be some pushback to that. Well, they're living again in a democracy. How many times do I have to say that? That's right. And it really does energize you to find that you're not alone. And mm -hmm. there is a consensus building that we've got to really protect something that's been a cornerstone to our brand image, which is this peaceful Japan. And you may not agree with me. I'm all about the Article 9 and not changing it. But this little suggestion that, well, it's just some tinkering here and there. No, wait until Japan, it gets out around the world that Japan is potentially going to put boots on the ground and some U.S.-led intervention. Uh, that changes the whole situation within the possibility of bringing conflict here. And what's a big part of Japan is the safety here and the relative isolation away from all the troubles of the mm -hmm. world. Abe used the words, well, we've got to make these changes now to the Constitution to get us into the real world, he said. Right. Well, you know, be careful what you ask for, because the real world isn't so 
beautiful at mm -hmm. times. Right. Well, I read your article <laughs> in today's paper, and I thought it was fabulous. And the placement was there, and they, they gave you a, a, a lot of space, and I think it, it really resonated. Oh, and by the way, the editor told me in his memory that was this was the first time anyone in an opinion piece had referenced Abe's paternal grandfather, Khan Abe, who mm -hmm. actually challenged Tojo and ran without political backing and earned his seat in mm -hmm. the lower house during wartime, 1942. Quite a remarkable biography, different from the one that we hear that's right. rolled out all the time. Mm. So, you know, let's just get more stories about Japan out there. I, you know, that's all I'm saying. Well, I Probably there's a, a general theme that, that runs through our, our analysis of, of Japanese politics, and that theme is a, a, a sense of apathy among Japanese voters and the Japanese population at large. We're talking about issues that we see from an analytical point of view as a foreigner who lives in Japan and what is being done about it. And these are areas that, or issues that are, are really interesting and have huge impact to us. And I think the role of gaiatsu, of, of foreigners looking at Japan and telling the Japanese or reflecting to the Japanese what they look like and how it sounds and, and what it means. And people have tried this other in, in other situations and the outcome was this and is this really what you want to do? And the Japanese have, as it, since it's an island country and since it had this, this tremendous uh, 500 years of complete isolation, it developed... I'd say two. I was going to say. 250. <laughs> Don't, right. they, you, okay, the okay. Ash, exactly. The Ashkaga had uh, actually were. Now we're going to have isolation. Acknowledged the suzerainty of, of, of the Ming dynasty. So. Okay, so the Jesuits were here and they allowed a certain number of foreigners to come in. But, they okay, don't 250. Six, six, six times, 1600 to 1854. Okay. When the United States. So 250, broke it. right. The black mm -hmm. ships. The black ships and we're, Commodore Perry. That's right. So let's say, let's go back to where we were. It's 200, you know, 250 years of near isolation. So they had a tremendous period of, you know, isolation, 250 years of, of we can say, pure isolation. Foreigners weren't allowed to come in and, and trade with Japan. And since then, there's been two wars. Uh, Japan was very successful in the first one, not so successful in the second one. And now there's a centralization of the government, a centralization of the population, a huge juggernaut of business and finance, and now it's going into decline. And I think um, the, the voice of foreigners, like like this program, like like writers, people that, that you know and you hang out with, Nancy, who are observing Japan and writing on these things, has a tremendous impact. And people read that and, and, and um, evaluate their situations perhaps a little bit differently. But I think the, the default is to just write it out. Let's not, let's not make any waves, and if that's what people have decided upstairs, then we're good with that, and let, I just want to keep you know, my life going in a smooth, a well, smooth way. Well, it's the frog in the, the proverbial, the frog in the water, and that you're turning exactly up the temperature. That is exactly today's burning issue. There is a, yes. this, this temperature is going to rise. It's, it's and I do think that this is going to be a game changer summer. And mm -hmm. I'm not even talking about Abe's statement, August 15th, mm -hmm. because I mentioned that, that I really don't think whatever he says is going to make a huge difference mm -hmm. because he he just doesn't have the sincerity or the credibility in however he crafts a statement. 
Um, but I, I, when I say game changer in terms of will there be an awakening? Will people have a sense that, hmm, there's something in the air there? Mm. It was a few years ago, there were people, a lot of people taking to the streets on the no nukes mm -hmm. issue. So will this be the summer where it won't be Burning Man like the end of June last year, where you have one guy there in Shinjuku right. protesting, uh, but rather kind of this buildup of the uh, engaged uh, masses. And again, it's not a majority, but that NHK poll showed that people are confused or they don't really, they're not tied into these this this slew of security reform bills that are at play that are surely going to pass. Well, too. impending doom has a tendency of bringing this out in people. Mm -hmm. Michael? Well, the, the, the issue that has always perplexed me and, uh, regarding Abe is what I call the Abe paradox, which is the cabinet's ratings are historically high. They are way above what a cabinet should be at at this point in its lifetime. And that's indicative of how much people like stability. And right. more, the right. more stability you have, the longer it lasts, the more people like it. Okay, mm -hmm. fine. But at the same time, all of the policies that the Abe administration is pushing are far less popular than the cabinet itself. Right. Mm. I know. Now, in, you got to think that one through. You have to think nothing that they do is as popular as what they are. Mm -hmm. And you say, how? You know, how can you be more popular than the things you are doing? How can there be not one issue that they're pushing where the people say, that's why I support the cabinet? And, they, and when they ask them, why do you support the cabinet? They don't talk about the issues. They say the number one reason why Abe is the person for them is, well, we can't think of anybody else. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that's, reminds, that's the reason why the Abbey administration is, the, is popular. It reminds me of when I was in South Carolina, when George W. Bush was running against John McCain, who had just won big in the first in the nation, New Hampshire primary. And I wanted McCain because at that time in 2000, he was a more progressive <laughs> conservative. And uh, so I had lived in South Carolina and I went door to door. It was the first and only time I ever did passing out pamphlets on behalf of John McCain. And I would hear comments like, uh, I'm supporting Bush. And I'd say, oh, uh, and your reason for that? And it would be, well, that's Barbara's son. Mm -hmm. That was good enough for them. I mean, again, it wasn't policy focused. And I, I think that uh, there are parallels here because even post 9-11, when the country, when the United States really became divisive, the first war in Afghanistan, Bush's popularity was very high. His speech that he gave to both houses of Congress a few weeks after 9-11, man, his numbers went really high. So Bush was popular many times, and yet the policies of the Bush administration would not be very popular. So I think there is a little bit of charisma, dare I say, <laughs> about a, a, um, Abe that has to do with stability. I think you're absolutely right. But what I'm suggesting is that these changes to the Constitution are not going to earn you that continued mm -hmm. stability. No, right. so it, yeah. it doesn't project stability. It projects instability mm -hmm. and, and change. Okay. Oh, mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm telling Mike. But I still want to adopt a town. That's, okay. That's just it sounds good, and I can't wait. You know, you could you could have doctors. Because I want to get some of those cotton, goods. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Tinagui, uh, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I like a headband. <laughs> okay, well, with that comment, I think I'd like to just draw this end of our conversation to a close. You've been watching Tokyo on Fire. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm with my guests, Dr. Nancy Snow and Michael Chuchek. You can post your comments to us, which we welcome and encourage. You can also send tweets to us at hashtag Tokyo on Fire. You can view Tokyo on Fire on YouTube. If you click YouTube Tokyo on Fire, it'll bring you to our page, which has all 12 sessions lined up for you. Thank you for watching. See you next week.